Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 59 of You Play A What. I hope all of you are well. So, no fancy intro this week. Today, we are going to talk about my struggles with motivation this past year. And perhaps it's something faced by many musicians, but maybe some have coped better than the others, but I find myself in a rut. So, I remembered about a year ago, I was the guest for one of the performance class at the Nanyang Academy of Fine Arts. This was before I joined them as an adjunct lecturer. At the end of the class, one student asked me, how do I keep my motivation to practice at the height of the circuit breaker? Back then, I gave a speech about intrinsic motivation, finding motivation within ourselves, uh, measuring your growth, working on your fundamentals, refining your playing, developing certain techniques that you think you didn't have the time to develop during this time. And now fast forward to about six months before this episode was recorded, my motivation was actually at an all-time low. And I have actually not felt this way since the second year of my undergraduate studies. And I, I just want to say that I am not actually in a dark place as compared to what I was feeling back then when I was in the UK. I'm not depressed or anything at the moment. Uh, it's just quite difficult for me to get the engine going. Practice has become laborious and it requires so much effort for me to just get going. And actually on certain days where I do not practice, I don't even feel guilty about it. And that was a point where I started to realize that I have lost this sense of accountability for my, for my own playing. And of course, that is extremely troubling. <laughs> uh, for, uh, for a musician when you lose accountability of your own playing basically you are going to go on a downward spiral that has no end but uh, looking to the next couple of months I've got one brass ensemble gig lineup late September early October-ish where I'm playing the bass trumpet so this could potentially be a live concert we can never assume things to be <laughs> the way we plan nowadays but I keep my fingers crossed and yeah, we'll see. And of course, I have to prepare for this performance and that could be just a start for me to or to have these other external sources to keep me in check and accountable for the way I play. Because if it's not up to scratch, then obviously we are bringing down the standard of the entire performance. I'm interested to see how this concert will make me feel. It's been a long while since I played for a, played in a live concert for public. So yeah, that would be interesting. And I look forward to that adrenaline rush, maybe, and that interaction with live audience. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. So coming back to my struggles with motivation. So after realizing that I'm actually struggling with motivation, I had to dig a bit deeper within myself to find out what exactly is happening and why am I feeling this way. And basically over a period of time, I tried to rediscover the set of values I want to live by and uh, this is not some a wonderful intervention or one uh, like sudden enlightenment kind of thing I actually got this idea when I heard an, ep an episode on the Knowledge Project podcast uh, when Adam Grant was the guest so Adam is the author of Think Again and a number of different books so basically the episode is about the need to rethink and constantly rethink about our views and our set of beliefs so in the episode, he mentioned something that is quite interesting to me. And in fact, actually, he mentioned 
many things that were quite interesting to me. So I'm going to share some of the key takeaways here before I go on to my sort of rediscovery process. So when it comes to the knowledge, views and beliefs that we hold, most people would go into three modes, either preaching, prosecuting or politicking. So preaching mode is basically just telling people what your beliefs and ideas are and trying to convert people to buy into whatever you are preaching and the particular idea that you are you know, selling. Uh, prosecuting is just saying that the other party is wrong for disagreeing with you. And uh, you might not outrightly say that it's wrong, but you will use evidence and research to prove that you are right. So this could be like a written article that supports your claims, or this could be a successful sort of uh, results that you have generated that also support your your claims and your views. So you just slam it into the other party's face and just be like, I've got all this proof here. You, basically, you're changing the other person's view. So for these two types of thinking, you are basically not allowing yourself to rethink because your mindset and your beliefs are basically set in stone. So that's quite straightforward how it's contradictory to what Adam believes in. For politicking, uh, your beliefs are not as rigid as what we have mentioned. And in fact, you you have a lot of flexibility. You will flip-flop between uh, what you think is right, but in a way, it's not for the right reasons. It is to just appease who you need to to get what you want. And you're not quite seeking the truth, right? So these are just three stages that he mentioned, which I find I've always go into the first two modes quite easily because I can get quite opinionated when <laughs> I start sharing about things that I believe in and it is something that I'm trying to get out of my system to just listen to people a little bit more and not try to convert them but to understand things from their perspective that could also you know improve my own sort of thoughts and my workflow and things like that. So what Adam suggested for the listeners is to think more like scientists where our beliefs and ideas are basically just theories that can be disproven and challenged and that we have to be open to discussion and others challenging them, which is kind of really interesting to me because a lot of times with the work that we do, we hold our ideas really close to ourselves. He then went on to say that the act of rethinking is difficult because many of us, including myself, based our own identity on our beliefs views and knowledge and not by a set of values that we want to live by. So this is absolutely true because a lot of my work revolves around teaching and transferring of knowledge and sharing what I know. So it's very easy to blur this line that uh, I am who I am uh, because of the knowledge that I have and my entire uh, self-worth is based on the knowledge that I have. And this, when this knowledge and these views and these methods that I've developed or come up with in my mind is taken away and is irrelevant, it kind of throw our own identity into this mayhem if we are linking these two things together. So an example of this would be, I believe that all students must practice at least 15 minutes of long tones every day. So this is a method which I might believe that would work because it might have generated great results but because of this positive reinforcement and what I deem to be true and the way, what happens is I start to live by the method and get myself into an overconfidence cycle. So when this happens, whenever you're challenged 
you will refute back and use proof to support your beliefs. So in this case, you could be using you know, uh, your students as a living example of my method works because so-and-so is playing really well now and within maybe three months, they have seen so much improvement in their playing and so on. But if we live by having a set of values that we follow, then that value could be, I want to find the best method for each of my students and I want to make them enjoy playing the euphonium. And if I'm living it by, or if I'm operating my work or the premises of my work is revolving around this, I should then be able to be open to any suggestions that would help me achieve my goals. And I should not be so narrow-minded and that, oh, if you don't practice for your long tones for 15 minutes, you will not become better or you will not get to the standard that you want to be. So detaching one's belief from our identity can be hard because like I mentioned, obviously a lot of what we do as teachers and musicians are based on the knowledge and expertise that we have. But it is also important for us to acknowledge our ignorance and accept that there is still plenty that we don't know in our own respective field, instrument or expertise. And that when we make a new discovery, it is basically just the tip of the iceberg. This is what Adam calls intellectual humility. And I think what a good point and really, really important for us to keep ourselves grounded that we don't get carried away just because we've acquired a little bit more knowledge or we've discovered something new or we are able to operate an instrument at a higher level. Therefore, we start to shut our views down and not accept the viewpoints, even from a student sometimes coming up to us saying that um, maybe such exercise is not working as well for me. And we have to then explore how and why is it not working as well? And what is a suitable substitution for that? And not just automatically assume that they are not practicing or all you have to do is to just practice more, practice harder and you, you will get there, right? So uh, having this intellectual humility would actually set us into a rethinking cycle where we are constantly questioning if there are a better way to achieve or live by our own set of values and principles. So basically after listening to the entire episode, I spent some time defining these values. So in order for me to find out more about these values, I looked back on some of the highs over the last two years and, and to dig deeper and find out why I felt really positive after each of these events or activity. And I wouldn't say that I, I dig really deep and to list down every single activity that I've done over the last two years. What I did was just like, oh, what have I done in the last two years? What were the key moments? And whatever that popped into my mind, I just kind of put it down. And then we try to connect the dots, you know, between all these different activities and what it brings to the table. So uh, let's start with two musical related activities first. So number one is my, my trip to Kuching for the Kuching Youth Band Fiesta in Malaysia. So although I, I was there for a really short time, I think it was about two days, but I had a fantastic time sharing and teaching in the festival. And in fact, part of me <laughs> uh, wished that I could have stayed for the full event, but I had to come back because I have agreed to a, another uh, gig in Singapore. So there, there was no way that I could have stayed. But yeah, that trip in particular was just really, really memorable. The second event was um, my digital presentation grant project done with my quartet co well I, I must say that this is like by no means a perfect project 
I think a lot of what we envisioned didn't quite come true, but it was still a, a really great journey that we went on together to find out more about each other uh, between our working styles and patterns and plenty of refinement can be made to our processes throughout the entire project. And I and so many learning opportunities. And most importantly, what I really treasured was that we created something from scratch that truly belongs to us. Of course, we didn't compose the music, but we liaised with the different composers, which uh, were all fantastic and the working relationships were great. And of course, it helps that I really enjoy working with the rest of the other guys in the quartet as well. To, now we move on to the non-music related activities. So one of my interests for the longest time is to cook for people, cook for dinner parties. And, and these are usually for the people I really care about. And of course, in recent times, I started baking sourdough bread more regularly. So I think this is pretty similar in terms of creating something from scratch, much like the previous project that I mentioned, and going through the entire process of making something and then sharing it with people or eating the whole loaf of bread by myself, whatever it is. Uh, it's just, uh, I just feel that it's really endearing and maybe it's sort of my love language kind of thing. That if, And I think that if I make dinner for you, it means that I do care quite deeply about you, even if I don't say it out loud. Um, and then now, of course, my latest hobby is uh, coffee roasting and coffee brewing. I am not quite planting <laughs> the coffee tree, but also the process of roasting and creating, developing the flavors in the coffee. I, I find that all to be really interesting. And then uh, lastly, it, can, uh, it is, of course, what I'm doing at the moment is podcasting. So this is something that I have also enjoyed for most parts of the last year since I started the podcast. And I think what is really interesting and really fun is this opportunity that I'm able to make connections with my guests and listeners. And uh, if you have been a supporter for a long time or you're here for the first time, whatever it is, uh, I'm equally thankful for your, for your support. And of course, to all the guests that have spent their time and shared their expertise and their experiences with me in this podcast, I am immensely grateful for everything. So after listing down these four things and... I basically came up with three values that I think would be pretty good and pretty accurate for me to want to live by and design my life towards. So number one is creating something from scratch, like an artisan. So I'm known to <laughs> overpay for things that are made from scratch. So I like artisanal stuff from like craft to food. So I'm a bit of a hipster that way. So anything that is made from scratch and uh, showcases a person's craft, I really, really enjoy. And I don't know whether or not this comes from me being a musician, that uh, I treasure this continuous work towards excellence and, you know, this something that's very tactile, whatever it is that you do, that every day is different and you have to rely on your, your own craft and no two person can make the same thing. So I, I really enjoy that that aspect of life, right? That everything is a little bit different and it just doesn't come out from a factory. And number two is connecting with people on a personal level. So deeper connection with people who I care about and or I find fascinating or perform at a very high level. I like to know more about people, how they think, how they come up with certain ideas and concepts. And I think that would add a lot of value to my life. And 
yeah, I just find that to be very, very interesting to find out to find out more about how people operate and how I can adopt the good things of other people's lives into my lives. Uh, although we are not the same people, but I think there are some similarities that we can draw from. And lastly is generosity. Uh, of course, generosity doesn't mean that I will start doing work for free all the time because I still need to feed myself. I still need to eat. But generosity in terms of giving whenever possible uh, this could be financial or just by cooking for a, a dinner party, inviting friends to a dinner party. But I think most importantly is generosity in sharing whatever I can with no expectation of receiving anything in return. So I'm trying to open up my perspective on how I can live my life or design my life revolving around these principles. Uh, since then, I've worked a full shift in a cafe, which is also the first paid non-music related work I have taken up in my entire life. Uh, it, was a, it was a great experience, so it covered uh, quite a number of things. It, I definitely connected with people. I didn't quite create or brew coffee because I don't think I'm equipped enough with the skill set to do that, to serve a good cup of sellable coffee to customers that come through the door. Maybe after this, uh, there could be more possibilities moving forward. And I think taking that first step out to work a, a job that is not music related has really opened up my perspective on the possibilities of how I can live my life without focusing so much on music and making music the thing. Because music, basically, it covers all three things, right? Uh, by playing the euphonium or by performing or by teaching, I'm able to cover all these things, all three aspects. And now I think exploring it out of music has been interesting and making that then become a part of my living or full-time or <laughs> yeah it could be something that I might want to explore and that's something that I think I will possibly explore over over time maybe um, I'm not sure how long maybe in the next six months maybe in the next one year maybe in the next two years who knows but we'll see so basically what I want to say is if you are feeling down in the dumps, I hope this riff and all these exercises would help you better figure out who you are and how you will design your life. I will be more than happy to have a chat with you about this episode. So feel free to drop me a message. Uh, if you got my number, fantastic. If not, email, that's fine. Otherwise, Instagram, that's also okay. And if you want to find out more about the podcast episode I was talking about, I will provide the links in the show notes. And with that, we will sign off on this short episode of You Play A What.